Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a buzzer with no brakes, I'm invincible, yeah, I win every single game, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Good morning, Susie. Don't make me laugh before I even start. Good morning, Susie. <laughs> July 6, 2023. Oh, it's Amy's birthday. But wait, KT. Wait, you got it? Okay, and it's welcome to the Women and Money podcast. Ask Susie anything via KT. Yeah. <laughs> And it's oh, Amy's God, birthday. It's going to be one of those Let's days. Tell right? them stop, who for, Amy stop for one second. Tell them who Welcome, Amy is. Welcome, everybody, to the Women in Money podcast, as well as everybody smart enough to listen. Today is Ask KT and Susie Anything. And here's what's really important about today it's Amy Feller's birthday. Now, why are we making such a big deal about that? Tell we, them. Because we have celebrated. My goodness, probably almost 20 years of birthdays with Amy. Amy Feller was the executive producer of the Susie Orman Show. And we've been through so much together, and we are still really, really great friends. She does not like to celebrate her birthday. She does not like to be in the center of attention like me. And... We wish you were here fishing with us, Amy. We love you, Amy. So, all right. Have a great day. Yeah. Okay, Katie, where are we going today? Okay, well, our first question is from Joshua, and it's, this makes me sad, and this is right up your alley, Susie. You are the expert of student loans. Actually, Mark is, Kantowitz is, but that's besides the Well, point. you and Mark. So this no, is a, I am not in the league of Mark, just so you know. He is over-the-top brilliant. Okay, yes. so this is a hi, Katie and Susie. Susie, it's such a disappointment on the SCOTUS ruling regarding student loans. Seems like a disappointment on all their rulings as of recent. My question is relating to advice on paying back the amount that was supposed to be forgiven. I had $16,000 refunded back to me since that was the amount I had paid during the COVID student loan freeze. That amount was added back to my loan, which still had an existing $13,000. Thus, my outstanding loan amount is now $26,000. But now that Biden's student loan forgiveness has been overturned, I don't know if I should pay back the $16,000 that was sent back to me or hang on to it, or pay some of it back. 
I have the money sitting in my Alliant Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account getting a high interest rate, but my student loan interest rate is 5.5%. Susie, what should I do? I don't like to comment about what's happening in the United States right now with the Supreme Court, but especially for people like me and KT and the students out there and many other things, I just think it's a travesty. What can I tell you? The ruling is the ruling, so now what do we do? For those of you who don't know, you are going to have to start making student loan payments again October 1st of this year. Interest will start to accumulate as of September of this year. So there will not be any student loan forgiveness. You are going to have to pay it. For those of you who have been on a moratorium and you haven't been paying your student loans because you haven't had to, you are now going to have to. But in relationship to you, Joshua, I know, I know. However, you are at least lucky enough to get $16,000 that was sent back to you that has been sitting where it's been sitting in an account making interest at Alliant. So that's a gift to you. And now we just start all over again. So what do you do? You take that $16,000 and you pay it directly back to your student loan since it's the highest interest rate, I'm sure, out of anything that you are paying. And therefore, you just start over. And therefore, you're going to go back to having only $13,000 of a student loan versus twenty-six. And I think you'll feel better about that. You just have to do it boyfriend. All right. All right, Susie. Next is from Tori. Help. It took me years to convince my parents to put their home in a trust from the must-have documents, and now my dad wants to remove it. His friend, a former finance executive who knows a lot about this stuff, (laughs) she writes, his words, not mine, is removing his own home from his trust because he says the trust is not a tax advantage, therefore not worth it to his family. Now, my dad is considering doing the same, and he has a tendency to make rash decisions. I tried to explain to him that the main benefit of having a trust is the incapacity clause, but I also know it would help us avoid the hassle of probate. Now, she's from the state of Tennessee, Susie. Probate takes six to 12 months in that state. So, Susie, how can I convince him that removing it is a bad decision? Can you explain the tax implications if my parents decide to sell the house before they die, as well as the tax implications if they die while they're still homeowners? Financially speaking, would the capital gain cost exceed probate fees? Is there any way to reduce the taxable gains? For reference, their home has increased in value by 400000 since the purchase. There <laughs> so you go. many questions there. This is the entire podcast, everybody. Almost. Right? And I'll, Tori, just because somebody is a financial executive doesn't mean that they make wise financial moves. I personally have counseled so many people in the financial industry that have made serious mistakes. They didn't know this. They didn't know that. And the realm of personal finance, what you do personally 
which is what my expertise is, is an area that nine out of 10 of the professional finance so-called people have no idea. Picking a mutual fund or a stock is very different than should you have a Roth IRA? Should you have a trust? What do you do with a 529? All of that. So Tori, maybe, you know, your father can listen to this podcast. Because dad, here's the thing. Let's say you've listened to somebody and they've said that there's no tax advantage to it. Well, of course there's not. There never is a tax advantage when it comes to revocable living trust. That is not why you do it. But the fact of the matter is there's no disadvantage to it at all when it comes to taxes. Because when you have a living trust, you pay the exact same taxes as if it were you without a trust. So this so-called wizard that happens to be advising you is now going to take the steps and convince you to take the steps to take the house out of trust, do all of this. For what? What do you gain? Nothing. What do you lose? So much. I can't even begin to tell you. So what you have to understand is that if you go to the trouble and you take this out of trust, who you are hurting seriously are your children. Because given the fact that it's increased in value by $400,000, that means probably it's worth a million dollars now. And they're going to have to pay probate fees on a million dollars. Are you kidding me? Why would you want your children to do that? Tax advantage? That's what you're worried about? No, not on any level. What Tori is telling you is true. The house is in trust. Can you do me a favor? Can you just simply leave it there, sir? Don't listen to somebody who doesn't know on any level what they are talking about. And if I sound aggravated right now, it's because I am. Because you are about to make one of the biggest mistakes you have ever made under the guise of somebody who you think knows what they are talking about. I don't know. My reputation is the personal finance expert of the world. I think you should listen to me. So hopefully, Tori, this has convinced him from making one of the worst decisions in his life. You then go on to ask, can I explain the tax implications if my parents decide to sell the house before they die? Yeah, whether it's in trust, out of trust makes no difference at all. So they will get a $500,000 exemption, $250,000 for each of them. So therefore, if they sell the house while they're alive, and it's only increased by $400,000 in value since they purchased it, there is no taxes that they will owe whatsoever. Got that? Now you're asking, what are the tax implications if they die while they are still homeowners? Nothing. Because here's what's going to happen. You get to have the trust without going through probate. It will be yours in about two weeks after they die. You will immediately get a step up in cost basis as to whatever the value is of the house when they die. And if you turn around and sell the house, you have absolutely no taxes on it whatsoever if you do it at that time. So you're asking me, 
Financially speaking, when the capital gains costs exceed probate fees, there aren't going to be capital gains costs in either way. So yeah, your probate fees are going to be exorbitant, my dear. One has nothing to do with the other. So when you say, is there any way to reduce the taxable gains? Yeah, just leave everything exactly like it is. Ugh. I hope you get your daddy to listen to that. <laughs> listen, everybody, listen <laughs> you better check when you're getting advice from somebody who's in the quote financial area or a financial executive. What does that even mean? Right? You better check it twice. A living revocable trust is one of the best things in most cases every single one of you could ever have. But then you know how to do it if you've been listening to this podcast. All right, KT. Next question is from Jong. I am over 62 and I want to take some college classes. Can I open a 529 plan for me and then what I don't use give to my beneficiaries? Thinking fidelity is a good place to open one. Thanks. From John. So, John, I answered you very quickly. Actually, I personally answered you and I said, yes, you can do this, right? However, you can open, anybody can open a 529 plan for themselves and they can also, obviously, they're the owner of it. They can also be the beneficiary of it, right? But what you don't use can be transferred to a beneficiary who, who can then only use it for a college expense as well. I don't know. I think at the age of 62, seriously, and you plan to possibly take some college classes, I personally would just simply do what? Pay for the college classes outright, over, and if you want to leave money to beneficiaries, just leave it to them that way, not through a 529 plan, KT. Okay, next is RJ. It seems to me that the high interest rates are available for short-term CDs, three to 18 months. If I want to invest for three to five years, I believe that MYGAs, multi-year guaranteed annuities, might be a way to go. I know that I will basically tie up the principal money because of a surrender charge schedule. What about the rating of the companies? Do I look for A plus and up or lower is okay? All right, listen to me. Let me just answer this very quickly, which is don't do this. Can you just do me a favor, RJ? Why? Who gave you this idea? Multi-year guaranteed annuities are just simply annuities. And you know, I don't have a problem with annuities if they're single premium deferred annuities. But a multi-year guaranteed annuity is where essentially it's a CD where it goes out multi-years and they give you X interest rate on it. Fine. But there's also a surrender charge. They're also, when you come out, taxed as ordinary income, the interest. And it's not, listen, I can go on and on. Just do me a favor. If you're looking for long-term, if you want to invest for three to five years, get a three to five-year certificate of deposit or get a three to five-year treasury note. But can you just stay away from annuities? They make absolutely no sense in this situation, especially because they are not 
FDIC insured or NCUA insured. Are you kidding me? Don't do it. RJ next KT. You see, I'm in such a mood now. All right, wait, this is good because I'm going to get through a lot of questions. This was from Jonathan. First, let me give you some good news. He said, Susie, thank you for the free V Susie Orman shows. I love watching them. So all of you, you can watch Susie's shows on Amazon free V. It's fabulous. Just go there and pick anyone you want. Yeah, we had all 600 shows, and somehow we were smart enough to own all of them. So now you are able to see them on Amazon's free V. Fabulous. Okay, so Jonathan is 32 years old. He has a will, medical power of attorney with an incapacitation clause, and an advanced directive that he did a year ago with an attorney. So what's his question? However, the question is... I don't have a revocable trust. If I were to purchase the must-have documents with the revocable trust on Susie's website, would that null and void my previous will, medical power of attorney, so on and so forth? All he wants is he needs the revocable trust. Now, you can just get the must-have documents, obviously. You can go to my community app, look under Susie Shop, or go to suzyorman.com slash offer. You can get them there. Obviously, they're offered through Hay House. But here's the thing, $99, $2,500 value. The way that Hay House, who created these, structured it with the lawyers, they structured it so that when you did it, Jonathan, you did all four at once. So you can do all four not going to take you any more time as if you just did the trust. And you can only use the trust. You don't have to get the other ones notarized and validated, okay? So you can use the program. It'll give you all of it. But again, just do the trust. Fine. Just get the trust notarized and that's it. And it will not invalidate your other documents. This is from Hiromi. Hi, KT and Susie and Robert. <laughs> Robert. Robert, by the way, they want to see pictures of you at this con- at these concerts that you're going to. So you best have some so I can post it on the community app. All right. My name is Hiromi. I have a quick question. I am 57 years old. I lost my husband 10 years ago. We bought the house where I live now 20 years ago for $400,000. The house is now worth over 700000 I didn't want to move the last 10 years after he passed. However, I missed the two years of surviving spouse capital gain tax exclusion. Is there any way I can avoid capital gain tax? Do I need to pay tax on the gain? You say in here, because KT just handed me your email, that the house is currently worth over 700000 thousand dollars currently and that you bought it 20 years ago for 400,000. So Hiromi, what you need to understand is all right, you have 400,000, you add your 250,000 exemption that you can do that 650. I'm sure over the 20 years you have had improvements to the house whether it's a new refrigerator, a new roof, whatever, you can add that onto it along with whatever commissions you pay to sell it. And I have a feeling you're not going to need to pay a whole lot of capital gains tax at all if 
any. You also have to remember, if you earn less than $44,000 a year, you don't pay any capital gains tax on any money that you have as a capital gain. It's just how it works. And so for those of you who also need to know what that meant, that she went past the two-year exclusion, if you have a spouse, you own a house with your spouse, your spouse dies, you have two years after your spouse has died to get that $250,000 of a credit when you sell if you've lived in that house for two out of the past five years as both of your primary residencies. All right. Okay, next question is from Cheryl. Hello, Susie Rockstar Orman. That's really what she wrote. You know, if I could sing, right, KT? Oh, if my gosh, I she would want to be a rock sing, star. I, I'm not joking. I would be a serious rock star. All right, go on. Hello, Susie Rockstar Orman. I have been with you for many, many years. You are the reason my husband, who's now retired, and I paid our house off. Different subject now. What do you think about gold IRAs? Just learning about them and was curious what you, the expert, thought about them. Yeah, I don't have a problem with you owning a gold stock or a gold ETF within your IRA. For you to own actual, the commodity of gold within an IRA is absolutely something, Cheryl, I don't want you to do. When you own the actual commodity, there are storage fees. When you go to sell it, you have to have it reassayed. It makes absolutely no sense. Rather than owning the actual metal, if you want to own gold, do a gold stock or an ETF that's in gold, stay away from the actual precious metal itself. Yes, KT? Okay, from Brooke. Happy summer, KT and Susie. I, I kind of went to all the headlines. The salutations are really fun, this podcast. Happy summer. My question is about leaving jobs and switching retirement accounts. I left my school job where I had a pension and Roth 403B to start my own private speech therapy practice. I wanted to roll over the Roth 403B into a Roth IRA. My question is, can I still contribute $6,500 to this plan if I'm doing a rollover? Also, I'm assuming my pension money needs to go into a traditional IRA account. Is this correct? I'm 28 and moving to sunny Florida. Mm, so listen, Brooke, and all of you that are listening right now, all of you seem to be confused thinking that if you convert money or roll over money into a Roth account, that means that you can't put any more money into it as a contribution. Wrong. It doesn't matter how much you convert or roll over, you still can absolutely put the $6,500 as a maximum into the Roth IRA. And by the way, the rollover can be the same as your contributory Roth, just so you know. Your pension, yes, needs to go to a traditional IRA simply because you don't want to pay taxes on whatever the pension would be. After it's in the pension, if you want, little by little, you can convert it to 
a Roth IRA. Now, in the email KT just gave me, it says you're only 28 years of age and moving to sunny Florida. Yeah, girlfriend, smart, right? So what you need to understand is start converting now. If you can convert the traditional IRA, little money, little money, little money every year, oh my God, that money will start to grow tax-free for you in every possible way, and you will win the financial jackpot. You got any more for me, KT? I do. This is from Angela. I really like this one because there's one sentence in it that would give me the, give me the answer that I think you're going to give her. Ready? Good morning, Susie and KT. My question is in regard to cashing out mutual funds to pay off my husband's student loan debt. The payoff amount of the student loan is $129,000 with a 3.38% interest and a monthly payment of $851. It's his medical school debt that we've had for years. Uh Now listen to this, everyone. He's 45 years old. He has a successful medical practice and an annual salary of about $275,000. This is our last debt other than our home. And we have enough in the mutual funds to cash out and pay it off. The part we're struggling with is the taxable event this will create. Plus, when we cash out some of these funds, we may be selling at a loss. We both love the thought and feeling of being free from this student loan debt and having one less monthly bill, but we're unsure of how bad this can affect us tax-wise. What should we do, Susie? There you go. And then she has details about the mutual fund, but what should she do? That last sentence to me was the answer. She says that these mutual funds are in non-retirement accounts. So is it possible, Angela? that some of the mutual funds that are down in value right now, you would sell and take a tax loss on it to offset some of the mutual funds that you have a gain in. So let's just say you sold funds that you had a $50,000 gain in, but then you sold funds that you had a $50,000 loss in, that would offset each other so there would be no tax ramification to you whatsoever. However, I don't care about the taxes right now. I care about that you just continue to pay off this student loan at 3.38% interest. It's not that high of an interest rate right now because I think given that you're still both so young that the growth of the money in these mutual funds, if the money is invested correctly, will so outweigh you getting rid of this $129,000 of debt at 3.38% interest. It's not a big deal. At $275,000 salary and everything, if you want to start paying it off a little bit faster, okay. But I would not be selling mutual funds right now to do so. If you had money that was just sitting around and it wasn't making a lot of money, it was just like in a savings account or whatever, I'd say do it, but not investment money, no. That's what I would tell you financially. However, emotionally, if it is really bothering you and it is weighing on you and it is depressing you and it's making you feel insecure, 
go for it, girlfriend, but then see a tax person so they can tell you which you should sell so you can offset and get the least tax ramifications possible. Right. Okay, you got a quizzy for me? Is that everything? That's it. Oh, this was an You got a quizzy for me? I have an interesting quizzy for Uh-oh. everybody. Uh-oh. All right. Here we go. So for those of you who don't know, a quizzy is where I ask KT a question, and it's a question that I want all of you to be able to answer. And sometimes they're questions strictly about money. Sometimes there are questions about relationships. Sometimes there are questions about who knows what. But they're all related to money and truly the foundation of money. So, KT, today's quizzy actually is from the wall. Oh. So, you okay. may have already read it. Okay. Just so if you I know. If I did, I'll, I'll fess up and tell you. All right. Now, before I even read this to you, I just want to say something about the wall. And that is, I love how all of you are helping one another and you're all answering one another. And if you don't know what I mean by the wall, the Women in Money podcast has a Women in Money community app. You can download it for free by going to Apple Apps or Google Play. And on the wall there, we post things, the community writes and answers and helps one another. And it's really a fabulous community. But I just want to say, If you get an answer from anybody other than me, you just have to check it out because I don't have time really to monitor all of the answers that everybody's giving you. And some people have been feeling a little bit like, oh my God, is this true? Is this not true? So just take everything with a grain of salt and check it with a true professional before you take action. The quizzy is this, KT. In one of the recent episodes, you advised someone not to cash out some of their pre-tax 401k to pay off their HELOC because they would have to pay taxes on that money. My husband and I have Roth 401ks and are still 25-ish years away from retirement. We have a HELOC that has gone, and a HELOC, everybody, is a home equity line of credit, that has gone from 3.1% to 8.3%, KT's face. KT, do you remember me months ago saying, pay off your home equity lines of credit? Yeah, you were warning everybody. And wait, but who knew it would go from 3.1% to 8.3%? And believe it or not, it's almost tripled. If they raise... If they raise the Fed funds rate again, it will go even higher. All right. Oh, my goodness. And it's about $45,000. Okay. Mm. We have a plan to pay it off by 2025, but I'm wondering if it makes sense for us to pull money out of our Roth to pay this off now and then put the monthly HELOC payment back towards funding our 401ks and emergency fund. Are we sabotaging our future retirement fund by taking that money out now? Thank you for all your advice. Did did they say how old they are? They're about 25 years away from retiring. Oh, all right. Definitely pay off the HELOC is my advice for sure. Absolutely, Susie. (laughs) Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. They have to get rid of this. They have to get rid of it. 
they have 25 years before they need to retire. They can they can fill that up again. The Roth they need to re, they need to get rid of that loan. Hmm. So what would Susie Orman say? Get rid of the HELOC. <clears throat> oh, you're kidding me! I was almost 100 percent certain you wanted to get rid of that HELOC. All right, but here's what everybody needs to understand. Okay, first of all. The 8.3% on the HELOC could be tax deductible, number one. And the reason that I say it could be tax deductible is that now you're only allowed to take interest off your taxes up to the maximum of $750,000 of your mortgage and or a HELOC in there. Oh. So if they totally, with the HELOC, have a mortgage that's $750,000 or less, that 8.3% would be tax deductible. If and only if, KT, that $45,000 that they took out as a HELOC was used to repair their home, acquire another home, or something to do with real estate. So the 8.3% might be really a whole lot less than that. Just know you can have a million-dollar mortgage, a $2 million mortgage, whatever it may be, but up to $750,000 of any mortgage that you have, including a HELOC, is tax-deductible. Now, let's move on to taking money from a Roth 401k. There are, truthfully, many ways that you can do it. It's a Roth 401k, so you can withdraw your money in many cases from it, tax-free. If you meet certain qualifications, like has it been in there for five years, are you 59 and a half years of age and older, whatever it may be. However, in your particular case, given what you have going, the best way for you to take money out of your Roth 401k is through a loan. Because it's a 401k. When you take out a loan, first you have to know this rule. Write it down, everybody. The maximum you can take out from any 401k as a loan is $50,000 or 50% of the value of your 401k, whichever one is less. Also, when you just have a year and a half left to pay on a loan, you're far better off to see what happens because it's possible the markets could skyrocket and you can make far more money in a Roth 401k. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, KT, take us out, girlfriend. All right. So today on Amy's birthday, wherever we go, we will create a more joyful, peaceful and loving world. She has the sweetest look on her face right now as she's saying that as if she really, really means it. Do you? I believe you? it. I don't mean it. I believe With it. With all your heart? All of it. All right. And if you say that every day, you believe it every day, and you say it with all your heart, we promise you, you will be unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to 
blue I'm so confident Yeah, I'm unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today Yeah, I'm unstoppable today Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.